Hello and welcome back to the A3 Footy Podcast. My name is Alex Catalano. Today, Alex Miller's studio is a little bit more more empty than usual. I'm not seeing Alex Doherty around anywhere. No, it's just the uh, dynamic duo, Cat, of uh, me and you. But no, we have a really big episode to talk about. Lots happened this week already. And it's only Wednesday, but a massive round of footy happened over the weekend as well. Yes, it did. I tell you what, a huge week to not have Doc here. I can't remember the last time it was just me and you doing no. an episode either. It might have been the days when we were in that um, that makeshift studio, <laughs> I reckon. Oh, God. That seems like a bloody lifetime ago. No, but yes, you're right, mate. Very, very big week. Obviously, big week of footy, big, big week of results. But yep. off-field as well, we wanted to start with the big announcement from yesterday that Gil McLaughlin, mm. Chief Executive Officer of the AFL, uh, is resigning from the role, stepping down from the end of the year, mate. Um, so uh, not effective immediately. He's seeing out the year as it was. But we wanted to talk a little bit about the good and the bad of Gill and what he brought to the role over the past eight years, nine seasons, um, because it has been a very long time. I, I'm starting to feel like I can't remember s- the, since it was Dimitri in the role before him. It's been around forever. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Gill's been the CEO since uh, 2012, end of 2012. So... He's been there a long time and he did a lot of good, I suppose, that he had to introduce two new teams in terms of, you know, the Giants and Suns and get them rolling along. And he obviously, the biggest thing I think that he did really well, Cat, was the uh, media broadcast deal that he did when he initially signed up, which I think was around $1.2 mm. billion. Dollars. Yeah, that was his, the, the end of 2012, start of 2013. So, yeah, he did a pretty good job. I mean, I think there was lots of rumours around then when he was appointed that he was up for the... Um, the rugby league job mm. as well, and then something about Liverpool as well, like CEO <laughs> positions. So he was going for the big ones. Yeah, he said, "No, nah, I'll just stay here." Yeah, uh, I, I thought. Um, yeah, I think what Gil will be remembered for at the end of it all um, is the last couple of seasons and navigating the league through the pandemic. Obviously, twenty twenty. I don't think anyone's going to no. ever want to do anything like that oh, again, God. and probably never will have to do anything like that again. Um, and that year. You know, we got a full season out. We got a premier. Um, he managed to work it all out with the Queensland government to get basically yeah. 90% of the season played up there, which I think what you'd have to say is his greatest achievement, full stop. Oh, absolutely. And you think as well, Kat, that the fact that not only did he take a paper cut, and a lot of people at mm. AFL House and whatnot did, but like you said, to keep the game going, um, the last three years really, I think is really good. And I think... Yeah. He actually summed it up really well yesterday is that um, I think that he's left it in a better position than it was when he even came in. Yeah, I'd agree. I think, um, obviously, like you mentioned, the expansion teams had just come yeah. in and it was yeah. all a bit all over the place. Very and all we over had the shop. Up yeah. and down with, you know, the sub before that and <laughs> throwing rules around and the interchange cap and all that kind of thing. I will say in terms of the negative, I think um, we can't look past the rule changes of the no. past few years and um, things that probably haven't been considered probably as much as they should have been. I suppose we've all talked about the 666 and Mm -hmm. now the stand rule and the medical sub brought in last year too, none of which were really particularly trialled before they were brought in, which, yes, they probably wasn't the best um, decision that (laughs) any league administrator has made before. No, that's right. I mean, probably if he had his time again, he Mm. would do it um, a fair bit differently. But I think that, yeah, it is... It's always the thing. I suppose hindsight's a wonderful thing in life and in sport in particular. But I suppose what he has done really well is that I feel like, for me, I'll get your thoughts as well, Kat, mm. that the AFL is more community-based than it was previously. I feel like that it's more integrated into not just community sports, but um, charities, 
welfare and like it's just more a part of each capital and sporting it's not just a sporting organization anymore i think it's a bigger part of people's lives you know we see mm. i think you know maddie's round speaks like a couple of weeks ago is one of the biggest things now that it's been um good friday appeals really picked up i yep. think and just um i feel like as well the indigenous around having that spread over a couple of weeks mm-hmm. i think for me has been really good yeah um and it's a bit more yeah i feel like it's not just sport anymore and it's really more integrated into everyday life and community work than ever. So I Well, think I think it's it's definitely a sign that the AFL is as big as it has ever yeah, been. Absolutely. Um, I yeah. saw some people saying and I thought it was a really good point, people saying yesterday on the socials that mm. people are more connected to their footy teams nowadays than they ever have oh, been. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I think obviously there's still a few things to iron out broadcasting wise. I think you know, we've obviously still only got limited games on free day, which yeah. in Victoria, for people who don't have Fox or KO or whatever, <laughs> can be a bit hard at times yeah, because if bit. you're barracked for North Melbourne or the Bulldogs or St Kilda, you might be lucky to get a handful of free day games um, in a year. But Or if can, you go for St Kilda and you live in Geelong. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, that's a different case entirely, isn't it? <laughs> but um, it's interesting about the community stuff because I think he does leave the game in a time where community footy is struggling a little bit, obviously, with yeah, the I pandemic. Think, mm. um, participation numbers are down, umpiring numbers are down. So I think that's going to be the next big issue for the next CEO How would tackle. you look about tackling that cat then, just yeah. speaking on that? Because I am a very similar view. I feel like the grass roots level in particular is a mm. little bit sort of patchy. Yeah. I think, like you said, the community engagement with the AFL itself is really good, but... Mm. Those local teams probably yeah. do need a little bit of help. Um, I think I read it was something about the, a club in Ballarat, North Ballarat, or something like that, um, struggling to field a team for the first time in you know decades. Yeah, um, and it's happening to local clubs everywhere. Yeah, Docks, okay. Docks Club um, was struggling yeah, with it yep. early in the season. So um, I think it's just I don't know whether they need to look to to be chatting with the governments about putting more Financial funds backing, towards yeah. local footy and that kind of thing. Um, that's, I think, what the next step in the game is going to be, that and settling the umpiring and that kind of stuff as well because, well, that's going to be a topic for all sports, really, mm. over the next few years is umpire abuse and a good thing that they put in this year, I think, is the the, the rules around yeah. umpire descent. As much as they've been on and off at times, <laughs> it's no. a step in the right direction, I think, for yeah, community that's footy right. as well. I think that's the biggest thing is that it's not always going to be perfect from the get-go uh, and you might not agree with us, but I think that... Um, having in terms of at least a feeling our process in where it's going to work. Mm. I suppose as well, Kat, the biggest thing obviously coming out is who is going to get his job. Yeah. Well, that is a discussion. There's isn't lots it? of rumours. <laughs> There's lots of people on Reddit saying Eddie Maguire is a joke. <laughs> <laughs> thought, that whole uh, thread on the Reddit was literally just people throwing around names as a joke. Um, but I thought maybe 20 years ago, but uh, not nowadays, Eddie. But yeah. uh, look, Brent, Brendan Gale's one that's obviously been thrown around Miller a fair bit, and obviously he's done great things with your club, and I'm sure he'd do great things with the AFL too if he did. Yeah. Have a look into it. Do you think he would? I think you'd probably, you'd probably, if you'd put your hand up, surely. Yeah, he'd be interested. A uh, position they, he's obviously qualified for. Who was the fellow you said yesterday, Kat? That oh, is Tra- the fi- Travis Ould, who, yeah. yeah, he's been he's been involved in the AFL for quite a while now. Yeah, he okay. mostly handles um, fixturing and broadcasting deals and that kind of thing, but obviously he's within the know of the administration yeah, of the right. league. I think a lot of people want to see someone from outside the league and outside AFL house, though. Um, which is understandable if you've read the boys club, um, you know that <laughs> the AFL loves to promote from within, um, but maybe having that external perspective could help a little bit more with the league going forward, um, given that Gil himself was the, the deputy to, to Dimitri before he became 
the CEO. So Peggy O'Neill, she's Peggy stepping down too. from her Richmond role. Yeah, well, we don't know. You don't know what she's doing next, do we? So I think it, there's definitely possibilities for a, a strong. Um, there'll be plenty of candidates across the board, mm. both um, from business backgrounds and whatnot. And I think yep. of uh, both genders, male and female, there'll be plenty of options. So I think good position to be and I don't know how they go about appointing do they have like a committee or I believe they're chosen by a committee okay. put to a vote I, I'd like I said I'd like someone external because I think that the league is probably in yeah. need of a little bit of a fresh set of eyes I think so um, in there obviously someone's probably come from a sports background at the very least or yeah from within a club or something yeah I think there's plenty of good options out there, but I can't say I'm the most around the world of footy administration. So <laughs> no, it's definitely one well. for the uh, the business experts to tackle. <laughs> but we'll stick to what we are good uh, good at and say congratulations, Gil, on the, the yes, tenure. Well and um, I think, like we said, we've he's done more good than bad. I think overall, so um, he did well with the gig. But yep, like thanks. I said. Footy's what we're good at. Yeah. We like talking about what's <laughs> on field. And we've got plenty to talk about yes, this we week do. as well. Some good, some bad, some ugly. But one of the major good things, Miller, from this week was seeing the Eagles get their first win for the year. Getting over the top of Collingwood at Marvel Stadium. Uh, these two teams seem to manage to beat each other when the other one is bad. I don't know why this game was at Marvel in the first place. I'd love to know. Why was it not at the G? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. They wanted it on Saturday other and they couldn't have it before the, the Tigers. Oh, yeah, true, actually. Dogs game, but um, they got over the top of them. Good to see the Eagles are building back, and they've got some good ins coming in this week too. A lot of their midfielders looking nice for this week. Shuey is a guarantee yeah. from the sounds of it. Gaff should be back, I think. Yes, uh, and I think Duggan and a few Kelly. others are on the radar as well. Um, I think Kelly should be back. Yeah, but... They did well out of this game still mm. without their first choice midfielders, really. And it's great to see those guys oh. like uh, Paddy Nash, like Zave O'Neill, um, who are getting a run and are doing really, really well with it. Um, but you look at the players as well, Miller, and obviously the experienced guys. Jeremy McGovern has had an outstanding start to this year, and he was crucial in this game. Yeah, I think, again, he's just, like you said, Cap, built on a really strong year. 22 touches, eight marks, uh, which is really good. Three, three um, intercept. Oh no, sorry, eleven intercept possessions <laughs> uh, and three score involvements from the back fifty. So he was good again. I I, I like how he touched on um, O'Neill and Nash. I thought that yeah. was really girl, uh, really good. Twenty four touches for O'Neill and five clearances, and Nash on the outside. Who we've always rated him, Cat, me and you, and I think Doc as well. But finally, just getting the chance to have a good crack at it. He had twenty three touches and a goal, four marks as well, uh, four hundred fifty eight meters gained. Mm. Um, six in um six score involvements as well. Yeah. So, I think he's been really good, and he adds to the West Coast team. I thought as well some of the experienced guys really lifted. I think Duggan is important. Cat, you're you're a big fan of Liam Duggan, and I think yeah. that it was good to have him back. Nine touches, ten marks. But I suppose, what do you think is going to happen now with Nick Nat out? He's going to miss some mm. time. They've said. Do you think that they go with Hugh Dixon and um Bailey Williams as the rucks? Well, it's going to have to be. There's not many Probably. other options uh, for the poor Eagles at the moment. They've kind of got a very limited pool of rucks, which is strange because really through most of the past decade, West Coast have been drowning in bloody ruckmen, um, but now all of a sudden they, they don't have any. Um, so... Yeah, I guess that's probably really all they can do. What about Jack Darling coming up to more stoppages, Cat? I, I think if you had... Um, 
just given like I feel like his form is it kicked two on the weekend, but mm. he's coming back from injury, I suppose. But I think if you had Allen in the forward line, I'd be more willing yeah. to say get him up there. But they really don't have any tall forward options either. Well, is there a timeline on Oscar Allen yet? Uh, injury reports are saying three weeks away. So you better hurry up because Campbell Brown <laughs> said he's going to be a top ten player in the comp. So can't be top ten player if he's not playing games. No, Wait, can he? <laughs> can't be top ten player in the team, but. You know, I take a lot from this game, Cat. They kick 14-3, which West Coast have always been a really strong, accurate team. And I feel mm. like they had uh, 19 less inside 50s and still managed to win, which is really good. But the clearances is what I think Adam Simpson would be really impressed with. And yep. uh, I want to talk about Adam Simpson in a sec. But I only lost the clearances by minus one. And as you touched on with, yeah, with the still midfield, they've got... basically their three best-choice midfielders. Very impressive. They were actually plus three in the stoppage... Uh, sorry, centre clearances. So... I just think, uh, I want to hear your views, Kat, but Adam Simpson, I think, has done an outstanding job to start the year with the cattle he's had available. Oh, I think, um, obviously, we've seen it in his presses and stuff as well, that mm. they know what the expectation is this yep. year. In the early rounds, they're not going to be winning many games with the injury list they already had. Obviously, they've made over 10 changes in multiple games so far this year. Um, and I think, yeah, that this win shows that uh, maybe we were a little quick to say they were going to be down in the bottom, in the dumps all year <laughs> long. I think once they start getting these guys back, they'll build back. And by the middle of the year, they might be around that sort of middle of the pack yeah. kind of group of teams. Um, I think Colin would be disappointed, though, with this result. I mean, 10 oh, goals, 10 goals 14 yeah. uh, is not great. Not a not the, the game they would have wanted to have after, Last you week. know, they pushed Geelong really hard last week and obviously that last quarter speaks for itself but they didn't look really like they were going at any point in this one they were fairly flat um their second quarter was really good five goals in the second quarter and obviously a lot of the the young boys showing those signs um nick dacos (laughs) this kid's gonna be an absolute freak um his brother was almost better than him too in this game which was pretty pretty amazing but having maynard back in obviously helps um but yeah i think they will, I was a bit, before I was sort of scared Anzac Day. Now coming into Anzac Day, I think we're more of a chance against them because yeah. they've shown their vulnerabilities. We talked about how their game style's improved, but um, still being a young team, they're going to be inconsistent. And tough this and week. Yeah, Brisbane Thursday night too. Um, but for the Eagles, yeah, I want to commend as well Jack Redden for his start to the year and how he's um, how he's picked up he's the He's had slack. to lift. Without the guys around him that have been normally, you know, carrying the weight, he's been really, really strong to start the year. He's averaging 23.7 touches. He's obviously still playing time on the outside as well, only seven contested possessions, but Mm. 3.3 clearances too, 3.7 score involvements. Um, He's been fantastic when he needs to get ahead of the footy. And at 31 too, he's not slowing down, which is great signs. No, and I think as well, Kat, this is what we talked about with the young players and Port. Remember how we were speaking a couple of weeks ago Mm. about the integration of the young players and the veterans? I think that that's what Simpson's done well, is that we saw Connor West playing last year with the full-strength team Mm. and Foley, and now... That obviously it's a bit different. They're going to get more opportunity, but they're still getting that opportunity. I thought West has been really good, and yeah, Foley absolutely. and Luke Edwards, mm. who uh, a bit surprised he didn't play a couple of weeks ago, but was really good. Fifteen touches and a goal. But we, we wouldn't be getting that chance if you've got yeah all those guys in the midfield no. in without him. There. And I think that it's just really good that they're they're getting more chances. Zach Langdon's a guy that um, I know Doc's a big fan of, and mm. I think that 
he's really proven himself with the opportunities and Willie yeah. Rioli could have him back. But I thought Jones as well. He didn't really impact the scoreboard, but his pressure I thought was really strong. On yeah, the and Jake well. Waterman as well I thought was really good. I think that he's a good size and adds a bit of versatility. So I do think even when these guys come back, we're going to see – you'll still see West in the team. You'll see Foley yeah. in the team. Um, you'll see Langdon, uh, O'Neill. They'll be good. And I think Nash as well. So – they're actually building quite a nice list, as you said, so it'll be really interesting to see how um, they form once the list is fully fit, per se. Another team that managed to blow our expectations out of the water <laughs> this week, really, was St Kilda. Oh. Um, obviously, the Hawks uh, have dwindled off a little bit from their hot start. They were fantastic in the last three quarters against Carlton, but couldn't pick up the win there, and this week they really dropped the ball. But I don't want to say it's just the Hawks um, being poor. I think the Saints look like a different team all of a sudden, mm. Um, and the the ladder position reflects it. Sitting in fourth, three wins, one loss. I did say last week that I thought their win loss didn't quite reflect how they've been so far this year, but this game, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, this was a game mm. that St Kilda dominated from the outset, and for me, Miller, the difference this week was the forward line. It was firing on all cylinders. Membry and King, eight goals between them, and having Jade Gresham back in there was really, really a difference maker. And now back to back week, Cat. Where they've hit 110 points plus, yeah, is outstanding against. They're the highest scoring team in the competition. Yeah, and for good reason. They've been really good. And I remember after you know the loss to Collingwood, people were saying, "Well, you know that that's it. Saints are going to have a tough year." But mm. again, that was only by 17 points. So they had a really good crack at it then, and I think they've been really good since then. Um, I think that obviously the win against Frio on their home deck is pretty impressive, and then beating Richmond comfortably and then smashing Hawthorne is good. Big test this week though against the Suns. Mm. Coming off a nice win against Carlton. But, yeah, look, there's lots to talk about the Saints, Cat. I think that the the evolution of the players moving around, I think Jack Sinclair coming up to the clearances and stoppages has been really good, mm-hmm. moved by Ratton. And um, I think that when you look at this list, it's very different in terms of it's the same players in there but different roles. I think Mason Wood on the wing has really worked. Yeah, he's obviously rotated a mm. little bit through the forward line as his his best position typically. But yeah, he has been outstanding um, so far this year. And I think we're seeing as well some of these guys, not just the guys like Wood who have been sort of in and out, but the guys last year who are supposed to be mainstays of this team. who maybe. Yeah, Crouch is definitely an example, who were patchy in their form, up and down. Yeah. Crouch was outstanding. Hill, obviously, four goals speaks for itself. Um, these are the guys that you need getting back into form, yeah. and they've done it. Um, they're, they're in form well and truly at the moment. Yeah. Max King kicking four goals. He's second in the Coleman. Feeling good about my tip for that at the moment. But, um, when it comes to the, the Butler as well, two goals yeah. again. He was great last week too. Um, so good to see him up and about. But... The mix of those guys who were dropping a bit on form last year and the guys who have come in this year, Peyton from injury, he's come back, been that awesome small defender once again. He's adding a bit of rebounding to his game too, which he last year or the the years before he got injured, he was probably more of a lockdown exclusively, but he's added another string to his bow. Um, And I think as well, the addition of Jared Leanett can't be understated too. He's been an awesome, awesome get for their back line. Adds that height and that skill where he can be... Um, he's a weapon by foot, 96% disposal efficiency off 16 kicks, which is just outstanding for the lad. But I want to know, what do you think, Miller, in terms of um, Brett Ratton, we were talking a bit about last year, in yep. terms of, you know, they made finals in 2020, couldn't back it up. He was looking a little bit shaky. But I think coaching-wise, he's been outstanding this year. And you talk about the moves he's made. Um, 
I think he'd be right up there as one of the best coaches in the league to, uh, for the early part of the season. Absolutely, because you talk about the moves, Cat, and we saw Brad Hill was one of the moves this week. Went forward and played small forward deep and then high half forward and it really worked. And we haven't seen him actually play that role mm. since he's joined St Kilda. So I think that the willingness to move the magnets around is a very hard thing to do as a coach, particularly yep. if you're trying to push for the eight because there's always risk and reward in it. But we've seen, as we mentioned earlier, Sinclair's worked out there. Um, Lean, it's been good since he's come into the team after round one. Webster, as you've mentioned. Um, Wanganine Miller as well, Cat. Yeah, the new guys, Windhager as well, he had a good game in the weekend Very too. good game. Did They've you hear that he, uh, about his incident with the car? With the car, he, uh, I think his vehicle was in a, was cleaned up in a crash and he wasn't <laughs> no. in it, but it was on the side of the road. But Jeez. he had to get a rat to pick him up, bring him to the game, I think. <laughs> he said, uh, I need <laughs> a lift, kid. coach. Are you able to, because uh, everyone was already, already there and he was uh, about 20 minutes late and the coach <laughs> rang him and said, might need you to come pick me up. So uh, <laughs> came through good. But yeah, no, he was really good. And I think Josh Battle, Cat, his role mm. has changed a bit. Like, yes, he's still playing intercept, but he's still been good one-on-one. Yep. And I think that that's been really important. Membry as well is that I think people forget with Tim Membry, a bit like Taylor Walker, is that they're great field kicks and mm-hmm. link-up players. But when Tim Membry needs to kick two or three or four, he can do it with ease. And yep. I think that's the really good thing. And I think that... Um, Ryder, since he's come back, has been good. While we're on Ryder, Cat, what did yeah. you make of his two weeks? Two I weeks think, out. I think it's pretty stiff. I could see the argument they were going for to get it. I think one week would have been justified. Um, I think it's a hard one because looking at the contact, you can both see the argument that he was bracing, but um, he is also sort of still moving when it comes to the contact. But so what's he, I don't know what he's meant to do there. Though. Is he meant to yeah. jump out of the way? It's a hard one. It's very, very hard for the players because there was a similar incident with Tim English that didn't even get cited. And the Saints That's tried right. to use that as evidence in the, the case yeah. and they didn't, you know, the, the tribunal well, not a fan, fan of, of it. How that tribunal has been so far. But yeah, but yeah, I don't know. It, look, the, it makes um, Hayes' inclusion into yeah. this squad much more vital because he's obviously coming back in next week and... We talked about the game against the Suns. They've got some big matchups there. Witsy was enormous on the weekend. So yeah. whoever's going to be matching up against them, Chol obviously is on good form too. And we know Casbolt rotates through yeah. the ruck as well. All three of those guys uh, are going to be challengers for this Saints ruck group. And I could have seen them playing three rucks again against mm. those boys because Hayes can get around the ground. He adds well in the midfield yeah. when he's in there. Um, so could have had that little bit of an advantage, but I'm keen for this matchup. These two teams have put on some really good mm. games over the past few years. Sad that we won't have Ben um, in this Listen, game mate. and <laughs> firing at the other end too, but I think it'll still be an awesome spectacle. I suppose something catches quickly from the St Kilda game that I'd like to talk about uh, on the weekend was the inside 50 count was only uh, plus one in their favour, so 46 to 45, but 22 goals, 10, and a 69-point margin mm. just reflects that. I think the efficiency... Inside forward 50 has been really good. And I feel like that when you look now at the style that St Kilda are playing, it looks very polished in Mm -hmm. terms of it's clear what they're going to do. They're going to slow it down when they need to. But when they're moving the ball quick, particularly forward or centre, they're really dangerous. And I think that the biggest thing is Steele had a bit of a quiet start to the year and has really picked it up. But I think the midfield, like you mentioned, Kat, with Gresham coming back in has really elevated this group. Mm -hmm. And I think... Well, it's just his what he adds moving through the midfield and the forward line. I think it just can't be understated. Him mm. and Billings, I think, are both really important to that. And when they're both playing and both firing, they look different. People talk about Steele being such yeah. an important part of the Saints team, but I say those guys are just as equally um, up there to their structure. 
Steal 33 touches, cat one goal, one, <laughs> 10 marks, four tackles, five clearances. Not a bad one for the captain. To not go along with uh, eight score involvement, six intercept possessions at 75% efficiency. I mean, not bad. <laughs> not bad at all. Um, it hasn't been all sunshine and roses for every team this week. Uh, Doc's not here, unfortunately, to talk about his oh. mob as much as I'm sure he would have liked to give them a spray. But you were there Saturday night, yep. Miller, sitting in the MCC, hearing, uh, like you said, very quiet because you were surrounded by all the Dogs fans. Well, I was quiet for a bit. And then, after <laughs> and then a, it picked up. A couple of couplers uh, changed a bit for me and also the momentum. But yes. Um, but the theme for the dogs this year, I think, has been a little bit of... They've not flown under the radar in terms of their results because the results speak for themselves. Obviously, they've only won the one game so far. But I think they are hiding a little bit of where they are given what they've managed to do in games. And this game... You didn't think they were too unevenly matched with your mob. Uh, not six goals unmatched, certainly. No. But the goal kicking let them down, <sighs> not for the first time this year, not for the first time under Luke Beveridge. I think that it's a real big issue, Kat, to start the year. Obviously, they kicked was it barely one goal something against Carlton in the second half the other week. Mm. Um, they were 7-19 in this game as well. There's things to work on. I think that... What is standing out to me is they actually won the inside 50 count. And yet, it's set, the last quarter against Carlton, it was two goals seven. There it is. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Two goals seven. So They had <laughs> two goals seven this week as well to start yeah. the game. They, they had six more scoring shots than Carlton in the last quarter. So, fairly yeah. dominant moving yeah. the ball inside 50. And I think, unfortunately, it's actually what's wrong is, is that the players that are getting it are not damaging with it. Josh mm. Dunkley... In that Kelton game in particular, I think he took two marks at the end there that were set shots, and he one was out on the full and one was a behind. He kicked the out on the full this week, but I just felt like that when around the ball again they were they were good in the middle, like the yep. clearances plus twelve, uh, center clearances plus nine. No question, the dogs are always going to be good in the middle. Contested possession was interesting, cat dead even, so one thirty six apiece were matched. But I think that uh, what was interesting is that while they led the tackles inside 50, and but they lost the tackle, tackle count by six. Mm, mm. Richmond's tackling pressure, particularly around the contest, was really good. Yeah. And I felt like that was the difference in terms of why maybe some of their entries were rushed and, and worried about and just weren't as you know strong as they were. I thought Bont one goal three, can't really blame him. I thought he had a really good crack. Norton two goals three, all his shots were gettable. Yeah. I'm not sure how he finished on that. And then there's just a couple of guys with some really poor misses. Scott had one. Smith had one on the run. Uh, Mitch Wallace had a really sh- poor showing. Waitman was uh, relatively useless. And Bailey Williams, who's had a tough start to the year, mm. um, was really poor. But what what do you think it is, Kat? Is it simply just down to... Because I feel like the entries they get are really good. Yeah. And I they're in good sh- spots. It's not like they're always pinned to the boundary and... I mean, to kick across the body in the pocket. Mm. It's a weird one. I think as well for the dogs, I don't know if they have that that IQ with their players inside 50 where, you know, when they're at their best and when they were at their best last year, it was when Bruce and Norton were taking those big marks, clunking, mm. you know, crashing the packs. And that's when Norton's at his best, obviously. You know, he can only do so much about his goal kicking this week. It's really unfortunate <laughs> for him, but... Um, I, don't, I just don't know if they've got the guys at ground level that can pull off the, the sort of crumbing that they need. Waitman has he's been very... He's marking forward, though, isn't he? Really? Yeah, he's been very on and off. He didn't take a mark in this game, though, as well, which I think definitely has part to do yeah. with it. His impact was really limited. Um, and I don't know, you know, guys like Anthony Scott, who 
Um, I would say that the Richmond defence was pretty staunch McNeil, this week. Yeah, obviously you got to give credit to to your mob as well. Where but still, you are very strong aerially. Obviously, when you've got three guys like Tarrant, Gibkiss, Miller, Miller Broad, Broad obviously has a great aerial presence yep. too. Um, even without Grimes in there, I thought you can't blame what they did this week. But I, I think, yeah, I really like that call, cat around the crumbing smalls because I feel like mm. all three of us. Um, have talked about for a while is that the dogs have really lacked an electric small forward, and yeah. I think and, that you know, Rourke Smith could have been that at one yeah. point, but he's obviously playing higher up the ground now and looks more comfortable doing it too. So I wouldn't be shifting him. Yeah, and Ed Richards was there. that at one point, but now he's half back. I think Waitman, like you said, it's just been so on and off. Mm. But I just feel like guys like you know Libertore is not going to do it forward of the ball. Yeah. I also like, don't think Vandermeer's got those natural smarts inside fifty either. Um, to do that kind of role when he's starting in the forward pocket. I just don't know if it's his natural pr- position. Yeah, I think that it was a very tough week for the Dogs, but I think that, yeah, I, uh, where do you rate them then, Kat, in terms of you talked about the ladder position doesn't reflect mm. where they're at because they have been in every game. They haven't yeah. been blown out a proportion. Like, yes, this is 38-point margin, but doesn't reflect that. Similarly, similarly with the Carlton result, mm. I totally agree with that. So... How do you assess their season? Because you mentioned they're fourteenth, yeah. they're they're one and three now. Yeah, well, even against the Swans, they should have blown them out. Mm. Really, so that's against a, a team that is clearly a strong contender once again. Um, so they're obviously not all bad. Now, really, you take into account these inside fifty entries against the Blues, against you. If they even do slightly better in one of those games, they're two two, and they're sitting, you know, around that sort of area where, where Hawthorne is, they'd still have a worse percentage. So yeah. they'd be around that 12th instead of 14th, which I think is probably more accurate, that middle bracket, as opposed to just outside the top, uh, the bottom four yeah. um, squad down there. But I don't know. I think it is hard because obviously you can only, if you don't win the four points, you don't win the four points. Right. It's mm. no sense um, crying over spilt milk over the games you already lost. So no, I agree with that. Look, I think a couple of weeks ahead that, they're games that they vitally, vitally need to win. They should win all three of these in a row. North Melbourne this weekend, the Crows after that, and then followed up by the Bombers. I wouldn't be just putting a line straight through North, Cap. I wouldn't be either. They were strong. Very um, strong. For m- major parts of the game against the Swans, I thought at halftime they were going to bloody win the thing. Three and a half quarters, they were really good. Yeah. So. Um, but, you know, it's it, these are must-win games because they start to lose these. It's sort of like Port. They might be underperforming just a little bit, mm. but even if they get back to their normal output the second half of the season, it's not going to be good enough if they're not taking these wins because 3-3 yep. three, three by, you know, they've got to be looking around that mark in the next couple of weeks. They have to. Um, I think so because otherwise are they going to make the top six? Well, that's it. Are I think they they're going to struggle to do that run through finals again, especially if they're battling all year long and are not in the top four. So... Yeah, it's a, it, these few weeks, like I said, they've got the best chance to put them in prime opportunity. I but think so. They've got a lot to work out in terms of their inside 50 entries, how they're converting in front of goal, because everything else looks good. That's Obviously, right. the back line probably still needs work too with the dogs not having Keith. Um, but, yeah, there's it's just the forward line really at this point. And that's the thing. Do. I feel like because the forward line aren't converting, Cat, when it does go into the back line, there's so much pressure on them for so yeah. much longer. And I think that... You know, if you get through, like, if they don't kick 2-7, if they kick, like, you know, 5-1 or 5-2 mm. in the first quarter against us, then the, the back line's feeling a lot better. So, 
Yeah, they've got some work to do forward of the ball in particular. But the midfield's been on. Yeah. Team English is still all Australian ruck for mine. So, yeah, I think, well, the defence as well, yeah. A key defender who's going to take those big guys. They've now had mm. Lynch kick four on them, Kerno kick five, Mackay kick four, um, and obviously Ben Brown had a, a solid day with his three as well against them in round one. So I think as well are doing well against them. I think as well, quickly, Kat, on Tim O'Brien. People going after him already this week is a bit stiff considering I feel like he's going to be very good with Keith in the team. Yeah. I feel like Tim O'Brien as a key defender is not what he was brought in for. He's no, he's always, well, they were talking about him as a winger as well, yeah. but he's always been that third tall type. Yeah. He, he doesn't, he does best when he doesn't have a man to worry about 100%. necessarily. Yeah. So he's not going to always intercept the ball, but he's going to be always at a punch and yeah. get the contest. So anyway. Well, some, some good discussions do. had there, I think, from this round. Miller, take us through the rest of the games we didn't touch on uh, throughout the week. A few good results here and there, and of course the ladder starting to shape up. Interestingly, after round four as well. Yes, so Thursday night was a bit of a snooze fest. It was Port <laughs> taking on Melbourne at the Adelaide Oval. Port, four goals, 12, Cat, dreadful forward of the ball. Oh. Just quickly on that, I'm not sure if you heard, Cat, the article, but Sam Mays was targeted eight times in forward <laughs> 50 with Stephen May on him. What Todd is that? Marshall, after kicking five last week, was not kicked to once. Oh, my Ken Hinckley wake up. They went down by 32 points to the Ds. <laughs> Geelong got it done over Brisbane in a really good game on Friday night, uh, 80 to 70. Geelong by 10 points. As you mentioned, North had a really good crack, crack domino for three quarters, but fell to the Swans at the SCG by 11 points. West Coast won, as we mentioned, by 13 points over the Pies. Uh, Richmond, good win, 38 points over the Dogs. Frio really stamping a claim yes. and trying to put a bit of pressure on the other team, showing why they're going to be favourites this year for a top eight spot. They took down the Giants by 34. A big smile from Cat this week. He was happy in the chat. The First win. Come the, on, The boys. Dons got up 15-13, uh, 103-15-9, 99 against the Crows. Good good spectacle, that game. Cat, I watched all of it. Yeah, a few good, a few good performances. Um, I was very, very happy with what the boys did. I was less happy during the game <laughs> when it was bloody goal for goal back and forth. Yes, uh, but, um, as, <laughs> very content. As we mentioned, the Saints uh, absolutely whooped the Hawks by 69 points. And Carlton, uh, they got absolutely destroyed. They should have been a bigger margin, but 30 mm. points. Uh, the Suns, 13, 14, 92 to Carlton, uh, 8, 14, 62. So, yes, yeah, not a good game to drop when they've got no. port, uh, very, I'm sure, down and hurt Port this week, Carlton. But good for the Suns. I think they're going to build a bit of momentum here. So looking nice. Uh, and for the ladder as well, Miller, how are we looking? Yes, well, it's been a very competitive start to the season, as you mentioned, Kat. So lots going on. We'll start around the bottom, which is always the worst part to be. <laughs> the only team without a win. It's got to be Port Adelaide on four oh. to start the year, which is very, very strange. Very tough for them. They've got a big game this week, Kat. Against Carlton, mm. as we discussed a couple of weeks ago. Huge. From 17th to 13th, all teams on a win, and we'll go in order from 17th to 13th. North, Essendon, West Coast, Bulldogs, and the Giants. Oh, sorry, and the Crows in 12th. They're also all 1-3. and three. Uh, The following teams from 11th to 8th are all 2-2. Two and two. Hawthorne, Richmond, and Gold Coast in 9th, respectively. Collingwood, Sydney, 8. Uh, then from 7th to 2nd, we've all got 3-1, and one, so very competitive. We'll go from 7th upwards. Carlton there... Um, Swan 6th, Geelong 5th, St Kilda 4th, as Kat mentioned. Frio sitting 3rd, high and mighty in the Brisbane Lions sitting 2nd. And then the Team 4-0, they haven't lost in 11 games straight now, Kat. It's Melbourne, travelling really well to start the year 4-0, take on the Giants this week, and probably, you'd say, still the flag favourites at this stage. Ooh, yes, you'd have to think so. Interesting with the matchups ahead, none of the top mm. 8 teams are playing each other this week. It's all 
Uh, oh, well, Collingwood and Brisbane, actually, the only pairing uh, in there, but I would expect the Lions to get that done. But Collingwood usually do all right, I think, against them, especially in that Easter fixture. So it could be an interesting one, but we'll get to our tips a little bit later on. Uh, of course, one of our favourite segments that we do every single week, Who's the Man? Uh, we'll jump on to Doc's first because yep. he's not here, so he can't <laughs> say it for himself. But Doc has chosen one of my favourites uh, from the Swans as well. He was really strong again in this game, and that is Justin McInerney. Yes. Mac was attack. A, yeah, the, the J-Mac attack. I thought he was a chance for the rising star last year at Miller, and I would have had him right up there in my votes. But he was outstanding in this game. 30 disposals, kicked a nice snag, six marks as well. We know how much you love your marks, oh, Mr. Yes. Miller. And he was all over the ground. He manages to get himself into excellent positions. 12 contested possessions as well, 80% disposal efficiency, five intercept possessions, six score involvements. Seven clearances, so he was getting it done through the middle two, three inside 50s, four rebound 50s. A player who gets up and down the ground, Miller gets mm. a lot of his ball in that halfback region, but he is not shy of running forward and creating an impact inside 50 either. I think that his kicking cat is obviously a highlight of his game, and I think the things for the Swans was when you know Harry Cunningham was moved down back and whatnot, and they did some shifting. Who was going to be the wingers for mm. the future? And um, I think he's really going to obviously be there for a long time. I think he started an extension last year or possibly started this year, but Justin McInerney, he was dropped for round one, or I just think he was dropped round two and then came back in and said, what are you doing? I'm the best player you got. Yeah, so I'm the best winger you got. <laughs> you so uh, anyway, that's Doc's one. But who have you got, Cat, for your man of the week? I'm keen to hear this. Oh, yes. Well, it's been a weird pattern so far where I've gone, well, not a weird pattern. It's called not hating or not liking Essendon. <laughs> I've gone for players that have torn us apart. But this week, it was a guy who tore Carlton apart instead. And that is Noah Anderson from the Gold Coast Suns. Come to the centre bounce, Miller. And uh, Michael Voss is saying, well, Matty Rail, he's a, he's a good unit. Well, Chuck George Hewitt on him. Well, then took Miller and Noah Anderson said, well, hello, we're the best midfielders on this team, actually. <laughs> hey, Vossie. And Noah had a game to be remembered. 35 disposals, kicked a snag as well. It was great to see a lot of the midfielders getting ahead of the ball in this game and kicking goals too. Great for the Suns. 15 of those possessions were contested. I want to say, Kat, quickly, people having a go at his efficiency, but... You got to remember, this guy—he was in the guts, and he's really trying his his heart out and just trying to get the ball forward at all costs. Yes, they're not always going to go the right way, but this is a massive game for him. Mm. I think you know, obviously, the turnovers speak for themselves. But what he was doing behind the footy—two yes. six intercept possessions—he's working back, which we love to see. Four score involvements, ten clearances, eight inside fifties. I think those speak for themselves. There, I think a lot of those turnovers were caused by his disposals inside 50 as well. Carlton's back line has been set up really well across mm. this year so far. I'm not going to put too much pressure on the kid for getting those kicks wrong. Uh, I think what he's doing at ground level and when you're getting the ball out 10 times off your own <laughs> bloody boot, uh, I think you've got to say that he's done better than than not. So a great week for Noah um, and I can't wait to see him keep building we always forget with Matty Rail in yeah. the middle that this kid is one of the elite midfielders or will be one of the elite midfielders of the competition in a few years' time. Yeah, I, I do understand that everyone's on the Rail hype train, but as I made very aware to you last year, Kat, I think Noah Anderson might turn out being the better player. I think Ooh. that he's just been more consistent. He's played every game since he's been drafted. hasn't missed through injury, unfortunately, like Rowley has. So, no, I love that. Great shout for this week. 
give us your man this week, Miller, because I, I know you've got one of uh, one of your favourites or a guy who maybe wasn't a favourite too long ago, but he's he's morphed himself into a very nice player. Absolutely turned his uh, his new form around in his new role. We talked about the St Kilda Hawthorne game. We're going to that one. We're going to the top of the statistical page. Jack Sinclair. Now I'm not just going there for the numbers. Thirty five touches and six marks and two tackles is very nice. Four hundred and one metres gain. Two inside 50s, eight score involvements, eight intercept possessions at 83%. But it's sort of man of the building weeks, Cat. He's been mm. very good since the start of the season. And I mentioned to you his form has just really been good since taking on a new role. And it's actually interesting. He didn't play any pre-season in the midfield. No. Um, and he's gone in there and been really good. So uh, it's been really interesting. A bit like Liam Baker, his career. Draft as a forward, then turned to a backman. <laughs> and now back in now into the midfield slash forward line. So, yeah, Jack Sinclair, amazing week and amazing start to the year so far. So he is my man of the week for round four. Oh, I love it, mate. That is a great shout. Well, that is our men for the week. As for usual, Alex Miller keeping track of those yes. so we can see if anyone gets a double up. Obviously, they will be well in the running for man of the year. Um, but another one of our weekly segments, Alex Miller's team of the oh. week. Uh, we won't have Doc's deep dive this week, obviously, as he's not here, but I'm sure he would have said something very illuminating about the tactics of the game, as he has been doing for the past four weeks. But team of the week, mate, I know it's always a hard one to choose, and you've always got that one that you're umming and ahhing on in your last spot there, but... Take us through it this week, starting from the back line. Yes, we've got the half, uh, sorry, fullback positions. We've got Heath Chapman, Stephen May, and Jared Lean, and all very good in defence this week. Caleb Daniel, yes, he was on a losing side, but was one that tried his guts out, efficiency at 90% as well for his 25-odd. McGovern, we talked about really good, and Jaden Short, 35 again this mm. week. And a goal. Beautiful yeah, goal it was, Cat. Meters gained, watched as well. Jaden was the highest this week, 810. Jeez, we want the 1,000. We want the 1,000 bad. It's going to be very No one's gotten to the 900 this week. We want, we're we want for to it. see the 1,000. Uh, in the centre line, we've got Isaac Smith. Yes, he's a normal winger. Uh, Jack Steele and <laughs> Justin McInerney, as mentioned. Yes. Smith and McInerney in particular, really good and standout wingers this week. Jade Gresham, as you spoke about, Cat, really good four goals. Lynchy, Tom Lynch for Richmond was really good. He's my centre-half forward. He had four, four goals this week. And Joshua Shelley, yes. one of the rising star this week. But oh, I'm big on that. Very, very strong again. He only yeah three goals, but 19 touches as well. Cat really working on the ground well. Brad Hill played forward this week. He kicked four goals, so he's in the pocket. Tomahawk with five. Said Jeremy Cameron, you kicked six last week. My <laughs> turn, mate. My turn indeed. Jack Zebel. Who would have yes. thought? Put him back up forward and he dominated. Turning back the clock just like uh, the olden days. But he was really good. And I think that that was what they needed to be competitive. And he was really strong overhead and mm. very important as well. Obviously kicked the five goals, but just from nine touches. But was really good. Gorn is the ruck, reminding the comp why he's the best in the comp. Now, Anderson, as you mentioned, Cat was outstanding as the follower, along with Darcy Parrish, who... Yes, oh, God, what a game. Should have had 50, he had 25 at half time. I was very proud of him, how he stepped up mm. without merit in there. So, I think he's building that. Once again, like last year, started a bit slower through yeah. the first few rounds, and then once he starts to get going, he's going to be unstoppable now. So, he's definitely in there, was a really good... Uh, as the follower, then the bench. Now, this is a very interesting bench. We've got two from the same team here. Nathan O'Driscoll's the first one. Oh, I love that. So, he's very dynamic, was very good again, I thought. And you got to remember, just his third game count. Well, technically yeah. second and a half because he <laughs> played a sub in the uh, in one of the games. But he had two goals, two, 20 touches as well to go with it. It was really good. But the man who you spoke about a couple of weeks ago also, Will Brody. Yes. Oh, he Absolute was man mountain. Stiff to be on the bench. 37 touches, four marks, five tackles, six clearances to go along with six inside, uh, sorry, 
Four inside 50, six score involvement, six intercept possessions. My God. My God, that's incredible. Outstanding. Absolutely great stuff from him. So those are the two uh, free boppers on the bench. Paddy Nash, as we talked about before, a goal on 20 touches. It's great to see him footy back in it. And lastly, we've gone with Dynamic Pick Cat as the last selection. A Ruckman Ooh. on the bench. Hello. Jared Witz. Oh, hey, Witzy. You've been uh, hyping him up all, all week so far, mate. Oh, he had to do it, Cat. Obviously, we're pitting that out. He had to say, look, you're a young man, Tommy. You've got to be a good player. But here's a lesson from a bit of Ruck Dog. Craft. So it was really good witty around the ground and he's hit out to an amazing forty two in total, but really good for the Suns mids and Outstanding. that is the team of the week. I'm very uh, keen to see that battle between mm. Witsy and uh Big Bard Marshall this week. It's gonna be a big one. Yeah, it's gonna be exciting. I love the team, mate. Fantastic. I uh, was I tell you what, I had a bone to pick with Campbell Brown's team of the week because I looked in that forward line and there was no Joshua Shelley. I said, Where the hell is he, Campbell? And then Alex Miller, thankfully, of course. Well, puts him in. I'm pretty sure he had Max King in the pocket again. <laughs> and as I've explained, you cannot that do that. That is not where tall forwards play. That is not where tall forwards play. Yes, I, I get it. Obviously, the tall forwards to start the year have been elite. There's yes. so many of them kicking bags. But if you're going to put him anyway, put him on the pot. You can't just put him on the, oh, in the pocket. But uh, that is it. But now, fantastic team, mate. I love it. Um, we'll crack into a little bit of news before. There's some breaking news, actually, that's just come through. Um, reported by Michael Whiting, uh, top Queensland footy journo. Kai Lohman yes. going to be debuting this week, Miller. Fantastic for the kid. He's had a great start to the season in the two. So he's kicked nine goals over three games. So I imagine he's going to be getting a shot up forward. Great for him. Yeah, he's averaging three goals a game and 17 touches. So not Incredible. bad at all. But yeah, he was picked 20 last year. So look, lots of uh, exciting times ahead. And good to see him get a crack early. Cat, I like when Fags gives the young boys a chance, particularly... Mm in our big opportunity games. So, yeah, I think that that's a really good really good shout. Obviously, there's a bit of news about players returning. We talked about the West Coast midfielders coming back and whatnot. I think um, Washington should be back for the Tigers this week. Well, that's good news, mate. Very good news. Very good news indeed. So, be interesting to see how that goes. Obviously, there's talk. Um, Schnelling's probably going to miss again, Cat. Yes, I was very um, downtrodden. When I saw that both him mm. and Stringer were going to be missing this but, week. But your mate, who's not really your mate this year, Nick Cox, <laughs> is going to be back. Yeah, so that's all right. Give him a chance. He had a couple of weeks now. You can see how he goes Where's Ben Hobbs? I don't, he's wasting away in the VFL. He had a pretty quiet game this week, so I don't think he'll be in. But you would have thought after the game he had last week, where mm. he had 20 touches and a snag, would have been a slight look in. Um, bit of injury news as well. Paddy Cripps, thankfully, went down with that hammy uh, in the game against the Suns, but will only miss the week, it's looking like, so should be back in round six. Uh, I believe they play Freo that week, so yeah. always a big game between those two, so that should be good for them. Uh, Nick Nat, though, we talked briefly about him before. The news is not as good for him. They're saying second half of the year at the earliest, so at least eight weeks out for Nick Nat, which, as we mentioned, going to be hard to replace in their ruck. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with the ruck, ruck stocks. Probably Hugh Dixon would be there and uh, Williams, as we mentioned, but it would be interesting. But I think for Port, as you mentioned, Cat with Wines and whatnot, I think mm. I think Robbie Gray should be back this week. But Finlayson kicks six, so he'll probably wander back into the team. Life set out is interesting. Surely Sam Hayes gets a game now. You'd have to think so. It'll be... He better be. He's got to be in. I'll be pissed off if he's not. That's all I'm <laughs> going to say. But uh, get him in. 
Um, a couple of other little bits and pieces of news here and there. Jed Anderson should be coming back to the VFL uh, this week, which is fantastic for him. Obviously had a bit of a health scare throughout the early part of the preseason. Um, so great to see him back in action. Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody has played a couple of games of VFL now too. Lovely to see him getting back to a bit of form. Kicked a few snags. I think he kicked one again on the weekend. Um, so I'm hoping, obviously we need to make sure he gets back to full fitness and whenever he's ready to do so, but... The signs are very positive for him, Miller, and obviously our forward line's always better <laughs> having him in there. So I cannot wait until he's back around the side. Yes, and they're very exciting as well. And then obviously for the Bulldogs, uh, Ace, uh, not Ace Cordy, Zane Cordy. <laughs> Ace, we're turning back the clock a fair bit. Zane there. should be back in as he's past uh, concussion protocol. So he should be straight back into the team. I don't know if Doc's going to be a huge fan I'm of not that. Not sure if anyone's going to be pleased with that. But uh, uh, we, we touched on the um, suspension four of Paddy Ryder. But another one, Ben Brown. He's been done for striking in the VFL. He's going to miss this week. Oh. Uh, obviously, he would have been back in for this game um, for the D's. But Who have they got the week happy. after? Well, they've got the Giants this week. And following that, they've got your mob. Oh. On a Saturday night. Lucky not or the other Sunday, way around. Sunday night, sorry, for the Anzac Day Eve game. Yeah. My apologies okay. there. Um, but <laughs> I just don't know how. He's, he's a very um, reserved character too, yeah, Ben Brown. He doesn't do much of that sort of argy-bargy on field. Maybe so. someone said you look like Sideshow Bob from The Simpsons. <laughs> called, him the big, called him Big Palm Tree and he went off. <laughs> I've had enough of that, mate. Whack. He's <laughs> um, gone bang. But yes, no, we've got the tips as well, Kat, if we move into uh, last week. Oh, I'm not sure we want to do the tips here. Myself and Alex Doherty have had a stinker. Three each this round. I got Friday night, right? I got one game on Saturday and I got one game on Sunday. Jeez. And that was that for me. Uh, so we both got three. Doc is sitting on 14 in last position. I'm sitting on 17 in second. And Alex Miller with the five. Well on top with 22. You are always dominating the men's tipping comps, mate. Um, and it looks like it's not going to be any different story this year. Well, I had a bit of a shocker this week, though. I changed a couple of tips. I um, I originally changed tipped, to the Crows. Yeah, I tipped your mob and then changed it. Bit Could've delusional going on there. And I did it. I swapped another one, I think. Yeah, I changed um, I changed from Freo to the Giants. Not sure what oh, I was thinking there. What man. are you doing? And I was sinking the Suns, but I didn't tip them. And I should have because Carlton screwed <laughs> me over. But uh, look, there's a big week coming up this week, Kat, as you mentioned. I've got... Doc's tips here as well. Oh, yes. But uh, we'll start with Thursday night. We've got uh, Brisbane taking on Collingwood, as Kat yes. mentioned. Massive game in terms of... The traditional uh, Easter Thursday clash between yes. these two. I love it. We've got a, a fair few traditional Easter games now. That round's always going to be the bloody same every every year. But no, Brisbane and Collingwood. Um, Collingwood normally does quite well up at the Gabba, obviously. They'll be disappointed uh, going down again this week. And the Lions are looking good, but they've got a bit of a point to prove with that 10-point loss to Geelong as mm. well. I think I'll back the Lions in for this one. Jamie Elliott out's obviously a big blow. Massive blow. We didn't for touch the Pies. 12 weeks, it's going to be count. Yeah, so long-term injury for him, unfortunately. <laughs> Shit. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go, I'll go Brisbane. Yeah, I, I like the addition of Loman too. I was going to say Loman, but I think just... While it was Zach Bailey after the siren, I don't think that will be the case again <laughs> next year. No, they uh, started, started in much better touch this uh, year. Docker's also Lord. gone Brisbane, so three men go Brisbane. All right. North Melbourne and the Bulldogs for the traditional Good Friday clash. Great to see. If you haven't donated to the Good Friday appeal already, please do so. You can do so through either club website, I believe. So there'll be links through there. Great appeal, as always. 
um, getting a bit of money raised for the kids, which we always love. Uh, one of my one of my good mates works for North Melbourne, um, and he last year <laughs> did the Ferris wheel. He was up on the Ferris wheel going around with the players until enough was donated. So he's going around for a good hour or so. To, he said he already had to get to the loo before he jumped on and couldn't for an hour. <laughs> So if you want if you want to get them, I don't know if they're doing something similar again this year, but find a toilet first. <laughs> it's always good fun on the day. Um I think I'll back the doggies in for this one here. Yeah, I will as well, obviously. And I think Doc has uh, Doc definitely has. And um but I think North, they'll be competitive cat. Mm. They'll show again why why they're not too bad. No, absolutely. The other game on the Friday night, West Coast and Sydney. Once upon a time, this was a huge clash, but uh, might not be so anymore. I think the Eagles, like we said, are in good form. A lot of the mids coming back mm. in, but I think it might take them just a couple of weeks to build together again. So I'll say the Swans can do it, despite a couple of shaky games over the past two weeks. Well, Bud's still out, though. Yeah, I think they'll still be good. I think they'll still do it. <sighs> yeah, I'll go the Swans. but I'm seeing over there... Alex Doherty. He hates this mob as well, and he's, he's tipped West Coast. He's tipped the Eagles. He's tipped the Eagles. My Gee, God. Is. It's very interesting, very dynamic. Oh, it's a big one there, Doc. As we mentioned, Saturday, Arvo, the Saints and the Suns. This always be a great in, game, they're, Kat. they're building a little rivalry, these two. I'm really yeah. enjoying some of the teams that are building rivalries. I talked about Carlton and Freo as well, sort of building one with their close games as well, and this is another example. Love it when the Vic clubs and the interstate teams get at each other. Um, but I'll say the Saints, I think, like we were talking about just before, they are building very, very nicely. The Suns are in decent touch, uh, but I think being at home, I'll say the Saints can do it. Yeah, I think the um, the Saints' defence will be highlighted this week. They'll be strong mm. and um, really lock down the Suns' uh, offence. So I'm going to go the Saints as well. And Doc has also said St Kilda. Oh, hello. Adelaide and Richmond on the Saturday. Arvo. I was talking to a few Crows um, supporters throughout the week, a few mates that... They haven't been too thrilled with their form across the year so far, but I think similarly their win-loss column doesn't quite do them justice. They've been, uh, since the loss to the Crows, I think they've been pretty, since the loss to the Crows, the loss to the Pies, sorry. They've been pretty up and about. Uh, but I, I think your mob will do it. Um, you, you typically, I don't know, you, you don't mind travelling over to Adelaide, I'm pretty sure. You've done well. Yeah, we beat them last year there. Yeah, done well against Port there in the past too. Don't mind a bit of a, a day out at Adelaide Oval, so I'll back your mob in. Yeah, we should get it done, shouldn't we? But I mean, it's going to be good. Texan was back this week and firing, and yes, um, can't see Riley Thilthorpe ever getting back in this team now. Mm, not with the way, yeah. Mulberg um, and Galant Galanted not too poorly on the weekend. No, it'll be interesting to see what selections Maddie Nix uh, racks up. But yeah, I'm going <laughs> Richmond, and uh, Doc has gone Richmond also. Alrighty, Saturday night, Melbourne and GWS. I'm struggling to get a read on the Giants. I don't. I think they might be the team I've tipped wrong the most yeah, so same. far this year. Um, but you got to back in the reigning premiers on a Saturday night at the MCG. Surely. At the G, yeah, unstoppable Melbourne. And, and Doc, Doc has gone says Melbourne. Melbourne. Carlton and Port Adelaide. Blues want to get back on the winner's list against Port Adelaide, who have yet to get a win at the MCG. Sunday Arvo, Port have been shafted off with their game. I saw, we forgot to touch on as well, the fixtures for round yes. 9 and 10 have 10 been released. Two games in Darwin, which is great for the, for the uh, Doug Nichols Love round. Um, the Suns hosting a couple of teams up there, which is great for them. Um, but Port have been shunted onto Sunday Arvo against us. I think they're playing two Sunday Arvo games those rounds. So the AFL said, you suck, Ken Hinckley. You, you don't get to be on primetime hey, anymore. Hey, Kenneth, you suck. Uh, but in this game, I think I'll go Carlton. You know what's happened, though? 
I've tipped Carlton once and they've shafted me. <laughs> and if I tip against them this week, they're going to win. Oh, so, dear. But I'm tempted by Port. I think that they just can't go 0-5. But there's I no reason. Yeah, and that's the thing. There's no reason why they shouldn't because they've been absolutely shit-ass. I think they get their first win next week against the Eagles. And then how exciting! <laughs> <laughs> They'll start building from there. But yeah, not this week. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I'm going to go Carlton as well, and Docs uh, also followed that and go on Carlton, Essendon, and Frio. This is a great game, Cat. Oh. I don't know why this is at 4:40 on a Sunday. This is going to be a good game. I our games against Frio have never been good quality over the past few years. I'm I'm going to tip the Dockers. I'm not confident. Oh. I'm not confident. I'm not confident. Not at all. I think Frio's, we talk about teams' ladder positions. I think Frio's is a bit sort of, you know, not true to form. They fell in against the Crows, where they should have lost, and then they got smacked at, well, not smacked, they got beaten at home by St Kilda, and mm. then who'd they? They uh, demolished the Eagles in the Derby and then what beat be the Giants this week. So... I'm back and I'm, I'm not. I don't trust my team this year. I'm going the Dons and so is Doc. Alright, Essendon fan club over here and the right. and the bloke who supports him says, <laughs> "Nah, you're gone." Well, this should be a cracking Easter Monday matchup. Uh, the, the Hawthorne, obviously, like we said, mm. dropped off a tiny bit the past couple of weeks, but the Cats are looking in fine form, and then we know these two always love playing against each other. Home game for the Hawks this year, so Geelong <laughs> don't have to complain about not having uh. to play home games at Kidinia Park. Uh, I think I'm kind of tempted to go the Hawks. Oh, no, you're not. I'm tempted. They love winning this game. They <laughs> love it. I'm tempted. I'm going to go Hawthorne. Jeez. Got to tip a weird one here and there. I'm Miller. not going Hawthorne. <laughs> I am going Geelong Football Club, and so is uh, Alex Doherty. All righty. Well, that is our tips for the <sighs> week. interesting, Hawthorne. That's dynamic, Cat. Yeah, I'm backing them, mate. I've just got a feeling, got a hunch. Oh, well, these feelings haven't turned out well so far <laughs> this year because I got three last week, but we'll hope they do a bit better this week. But I think that is going to be all from us on this episode of the A3 Footy Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, as always. Make sure you give us a listen to the women's episode two, running over the grand final and a lot of news with expansion signings and whatnot throughout the week. Be a bit of a shorter one this week, but we'll still look forward to it all the same. Make sure you follow us across all our socials to stay updated when new episodes are out. A3 Footy Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at A3 Footy on Twitter. And, of course, we have our email to a3footy at gmail.com. If you want us to talk about anything um, throughout the round that you've noticed, any talking points you'd like to bring up or any news you sort of want us to break down, we'd love to hear from you. That's going to do us and we'll jump onto the women's now. Very excited. With all that said, I've been Alex Catalano. I've been Alex Miller. Big weekend of footy ahead. And oh, I forgot to mention as well, the A3, it was the A3 Cup too. So Alex Miller, you're on top. One on one. <laughs> on top for the first round. Look forward to a couple of weeks as well when the uh, the dogs and the bombers go head to head. I'm very keen Enjoy for that one. Cat. Yes, few big games. Um, thank you for listening and join us next week. <laughs>